your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Start reading in verse 19. You know, this morning on the way in, I was just wrecked by, by God. I started thinking about this idea that this morning that we're going to gather and we're not gathering together to, to cross our fingers and, and hope that on the other side of, of this life that, that God was real. But yet, like, we're, we're walking with the living God, that Jesus is communicating with us, that he's, he's working in our life, that He's strengthening our faith, that He's pursuing our heart. And, and uh, I don't know about you guys, if you have anybody in your life, but I'm starting to feel this. And, and I called up one of my buddies, um, or one of my homies, as Joshua would say. And uh, <clears throat> I called him, and I'm like, hey, man, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm in Romans 10. And I'm like, of course you are. And we started to have this, this dialogue just about like how God is, is just so good, and he's so faithful. And I don't know everyone's story in here, uh, but I don't take it for granted uh, to be up front and talking about a God who is alive. And I want you to know that your brokenness and your mess, that God will meet you there in the same way that he's met me and mine. And so I'm excited about this morning because I believe that what we're talking about is so influential as to what can really change our culture and this city and this state and this nation and the world. And so I'm going to actually just pray one more time and then... We'll jump into the text, if that's cool with you guys. God, I, I pray, I pray this morning that you would awaken our hearts, God. I pray that your word would flow and in, in, in land in such a powerful way, God, that it takes the hard parts of our hearts and it begins to soften them, God. Change us, Lord. Mold us. Make us like you, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been with us or a part of this church community or part of the ethos community, you know that since Easter, we've been having this conversation about what does it mean to embrace the resurrection life? And so this morning, I just want to kind of continue that conversation. And specifically, what I want to talk about is that when we follow Jesus, that he releases those that have been resurrected. What that means is that he releases, he sends those they become Christians. The moment that we say, hey, I want to follow you, Lord, that, that my life is yours. When we start following Jesus, we step into baptism. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And, and then we, we get released by God. Another way that maybe you've heard it if you've grown up in church circles is that we're sent, right? And you, we hear evangelistic messages about how we should carry this into the world. And so this morning, our, our conversation, simply put, is... I, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there is that every single person in this room is sent by God into different spaces in different places to different faces. And I just want to go ahead and name it that I think it's really cool and powerful that we as a church, especially at Hillsborough Village, are about to step into such a unique season of life, which is the summertime. And what I thought would be really cool, just before we jump into the text, is to name those different spaces in those different places. Now, some of you are um, college students, and I think about just the, the, the rhythms in the life, you know, going of, of a college student is you come to a city, and you, you're part of this community, and then when the semester is over, you go back home. And, and so if you're the college student that's going home, the different spaces and different places that God is releasing you to, that God is sending you to, is back home. And I want you to know, maybe in this next season of life, that Jesus 
The resurrected king is maybe calling you for the first time in your entire life to share Jesus across the dinner table. Maybe he's calling you as a college student when you go back home to share Jesus with someone you've been friends with since elementary school or middle school or high school. Now, some of you are college students and you're actually not going home, you're staying. And as I was praying for you this week, especially over the last few days, I really felt like God was saying for the college students who are staying, that in this next season of life, the different spaces and different places that God's gonna send you is places that you've never actually been. But I felt like God wanted me to encourage you that in this season of life that you're gonna step in, that your talents and your gifts and your abilities, there's gonna come a moment where you either have to stay or step out in faith and push back the darkness in the city of Nashville to spread the kingdom of God in a brand new way. Now, take that, pray over it, let it sit on your heart. Think about um, even in the context of this community that there's a lot of you who are actually going to spend your entire summer in another country with the sole purpose of spreading the kingdom of God. I go, man, that's amazing. And I and we and everyone who's staying here, we are standing in faith to know that God is not sending you over to, you know, there to make your Instagram look a uh, flyer. I don't know if that's something... Uh, college kids say anymore or cooler or lit. I don't, I don't really know where I'm going, but I, I'm just standing in faith that God is sending you over there because there's kingdom fruit that is going to come from your work. Now, some of you who are, who are like me and you love this city and you stay in this city and you're going you're gonna to continue to be here in this next season of life. And, and for those that are staying, God is asking us, hey, I'm releasing you to different spaces and places. Will we labor? Will we pray? Will we work? in community to push back the kingdom. And this morning, I just want to be abundantly clear. I believe with all of my heart that God is releasing every single one of us or God is sending all of us into different spaces and different places. And I don't know if you heard this in what I was saying, but I definitely want to bring it to light because it's very powerful and very beautiful. The idea that a church plant at the Ruby this summer that God is sending people locally and globally to advance the kingdom of God within the context of your community. That is amazing. And so this morning, when we jump into the text, there's gonna be three movements that you're gonna see. So if you're a note taker, this is the moment where you get out your little pen and you take notes. The first movement that you're gonna see is, I want you to see this, is three movements are released. The first one we're gonna talk about is you don't have to have it all together to be released by God. The second movement that you're going to see is, is that there is no degree in theology needed to be released by God. And then the third one is, and this is my favorite, hey, you're released. Go awaken a movement. So if you have, if you have your Bibles and you haven't already, look to the text in Matthew 4, 19. We'll, we'll start reading in verse 18. Now to give context to what we're about to read, Jesus has been on planet earth for 30 years, right? And, and there's this moment in Matthew 4, 19. Now, this is up for debate. You don't have to like believe what I believe. Some believe that Jesus had already been doing ministry for a year. Some believe that this is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Honestly, you know, I'm not gonna say it doesn't matter because, you know, history and Jesus does matter, but that's not my point this morning. My point this morning is in Matthew chapter four, verse 18. This is the moment that Jesus begins to invite people in that he's gonna walk with, journey with. Hey, it's almost like God is saying, or Jesus is saying, hey, if you'll follow me, I'll show you what it looks like to love God and I'll show you what it looks like to love people. Ethos, the language we use is awaken a movement. This is Jesus beginning to awaken a movement. He's literally gathering people with the intentions of walking with them to eventually release them to go do the exact same thing 
that he had taught them. Now look at Matthew 4, 18. This is just Jesus beginning to gather uh, his 12 apostles. Look, what, look uh, it says, I'm gonna start reading verse 18. He says, while walking, while Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. These are people who work a nine to five. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I don't want us to miss this. He says, follow me and I will make you. That's pretty powerful. Follow me and I will make you. Now, I don't want us to miss this. This is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. If you're one of those people that likes to think through visually, I want you to imagine like, like point A, this is Jesus's beginning of inviting people in to follow him. And he says, follow me and I'll make you. Follow me and I'll show you what it looks like to love God. Follow me and I'll show you what it looks like to love your neighbor truly as you love yourself. And he says, follow me guys and I'll make you. Now flip with me to Matthew 28. Sorry, I don't have the page numbers for the, the Bibles on the bars, and I apologize about that. Come back to the 11 if it's good enough, and I'll have them then. Matthew 28, look to uh, verse, um, let's go verse 18, right? So now to give context to this, okay? We just looked at Matthew 4. It's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He says, follow me, and I'll make you. Now we get to the end. Now this is Matthew 28. This is the end of Jesus's ministry on earth. He's literally about to go back to heaven. Now, now check this. Make sure we're all on the same page. He has gone to the cross. He has died for our sins. He has rose from the grave. 40 days he spent on the earth after his resurrection. And now he's about to go to heaven. Now I don't know about you, but for me, I'd be on, on the edge of my seat. I'd be like, Jesus, um, you about to preach. Would you give me something real good? Like, like what are you going to give me? And look what he says. I mean, it's so mind-boggling. It's just so powerful. In, in verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, now, I don't want us to miss this, and, and I promise you, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just, I, I really want us to see how powerful and amazing this is. He's actually talking to the same people. He said right here in Matthew 4, hey, would you follow me and I'll make you? And then in Matthew 28, right before he goes, he's talking to the same people, and this is what he says. He says, Jesus came and said to them, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's saying, all authority to push back the darkness in your different places, in your different spaces has been given to me. He said, all authority. He said, if I want to raise up the next Billy Graham at your local McDonald's today, that's going to ask you if you want fries with that. Like, that's my decision. All authority. He says, all authority has been given to me. Verse 19. He says, go therefore and make. Oh, that's... That's language he's, oh. go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I really, I don't know if you caught that, but I want to bring this out. He says, hey, follow me and I'll make you. And then right before he leaves, he says, all right, now it's time for you to be released. I want you to go and make. That's amazing. Hey, follow me and I'll make you. I'm gonna show you what it looks like to love God. I'm gonna show you what it looks like to love people. I'm gonna show you what it looks like to push back the darkness. I'm gonna show you what it looks like to take those that have been broken and point them to a God who can redeem all things. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna make you. Make you is this idea of molding. And then we get to Matthew 28 and he said, hey, now it's your time to go tell people and show people what it looks like to love God and show people what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm like, wow, that's so amazing. This is powerful. And I'm going, this is the gospel. 
This is what every single person in here is being called to. Now, I just want to say, even as I say that, I know because I still feel it, even as I've preached over a hundred times. When we start thinking, oh, like I've been released by God, what we start to really feel on the inside often is, oh, well, I'm in, I, I, I don't feel like I'm qualified. I actually feel incapable. I feel inadequate. Like these are things that I feel. And, and you go, well, I don't really know. And then we start to go through this process of, well, I'm too broken. My, my story's too messy. And these are conversations that if we're being honest, we have with ourselves. And more often than not, we actually don't share any with anybody. And so I want to just show you what's really cool to me about Matthew 4 to Matthew 28 is we actually have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that actually show us this morning what the making process looks like. So when I look to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I look at the guys that he actually invited in saying, follow me and I'll make you, I look and I go, oh no, time out. Surely the guy that preached in Acts 2 on the first day of the church can't be the same dude that's cussing out a middle school girl by a fire. Whoa, that, no, time, that can't be Peter. And then I go, whoa, Peter denied Christ three times? Whoa, that can't be, that, we're talking about a different Peter. I think about James, and I believe it was John. And, and because someone didn't like their message, they're like going to Jesus going, hey, I know that God's did it before. Can we just call fire down and just destroy him all? It would be really powerful for the gospel. And Jesus is like, whoa. And I'm like, these can't be the same dudes that he said, hey, follow me and I'll make you. And yet it actually is. And when I read those four gospels and I look at the process of the making until Matthew 28, I see a Jesus who, I see a God, I, I see our savior and he's walking with them in their brokenness and he's walking them in their mess and he's saying, hey, and he's pointing them to greater and he's giving them grace along their spiritual journey. Now, let me tell you what I don't see in the text when I look through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. I, I don't see Jesus walking up to him and saying, hey, when I first invited you in, I saw a lot of potential. I thought, man, this person's really going to kill it. Like, I've given this person gifts when I created them. You know, but then you kind of messed up. Like, oh, I just don't think that you can be a part of this anymore. Does anybody see that? In the, I just don't see it. I don't see a Jesus that pulls them aside and says, hey, I, I thought that you had the ability to do it, but you actually don't. No, we see Jesus walking with people, journeying with people, going, hey, I want to use you. You're invited and I'm releasing you. Go further the kingdom of God for the purpose of glorifying Jesus. Like, this is it. And I'm just saying, guys, this morning, as, as we, 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 we walk through this idea of like, I have to have it all together before I'm released by God. No, you don't. I'm convinced that we are crippling ourselves as a church because we are so busy trying to figure out how to be perfect that we are missing out on ministering and loving a broken world. And there has to come a point in our journey where we go, hey, I'm not gonna be the Christian that, that, that walks and journeys with people and doesn't allow them to see, hey, I don't have it figured out either. And there comes a point where we gotta go, hey, found people, find people save people, serve people. You cannot follow Jesus and not end up around lost people. I think about the moments where Jesus' ministry is absolutely taking off. And as someone who's a church planner, I'm like, this is it. He about, to, he about to get the nice sign and the nice logo and everybody's gonna love it and it's gonna be dope, probably just called Jesus Church. And, 
And then he goes, oh, it's time to dip out. It's time to go on somewhere else. And I'm going, whoa, time out. That goes against every single thing about church planning and starting movements. And then Luke 19, 10, he's like, no, I'm, I'm here to seek and save the lost. And I'm like, it is impossible, guys, to follow Jesus and not be in the business of finding people who don't know him. And so I want to free us all this morning. If you're going, my story's too messy, I'm too broken. I'm telling you, that's a lie, and it's time for you to throw that lie back to where it came from, and that's hell. That is not of Jesus, that is of the enemy. God can use you, he wants to use you, and I'm telling you, as we work through the text, I'm hoping that you'll feel more encouraged and more empowered to know that God is wanting to release you into different spaces and in different places. Now, the second thing that I want to address is that this is another thing that I believe is crippling the church. And I believe this is something that we, we, we need to address when we start talking about the fact that God wants to release us. And it's this idea that in order to be released by God, in order to be sent by God, I have to get a degree in theology. Or another way to put it is I have to reach this level of knowledge before I go. And I just want to say, don't take my word for it. Let's go to the word of God. What does God say about it? Look to John chapter four. It's a really cool story. In John chapter four, uh, there's, this, uh, there's this moment, and I'll just give you the, the context. I, I encourage everyone, like, go read it this week. I think it's that in Luke 15 is probably my, my two favorite chapters in all the Bible. But there's this story in John chapter four where Jesus meets this lady by a well. She's been married five times and divorced five times. And the man that she is currently sleeping with is not her husband. And as I'm reading this text, as Jesus is having dialogue with her. I mean, I'm telling you, it's almost as if Jesus is looking at her with love and compassion. And he's saying, hey, I see your brokenness and I see your mess. And I want you to know that you're still loved by the God of heaven. And the default of the human heart, when, when God is trying to grow us, what do we do? We, we kind of get religious. Well, I, I, if I do this, then, then I'll be good. And so she starts to have a conversation about religion with the Son of God. And I'm like, well, probably going to lose that one. And what's interesting to me, and I'm telling you, I've read John 4. That and Luke 15 are some of my favorite chapters. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit showed me something that I had never seen before. When she's conversating with Jesus, what she's really saying is, hey, when we start to talk about God, this is kind of how I feel. I feel like he's this distant God that I really don't know much about. And then when I look to the people who should show me what God is really about, I kind of see hypocrites. She said, I feel like God's distant. When I want to kind of know about God, they're kind of racist towards me and my people. And so I'm kind of confused. And then here's the, here's the moment where the Holy Spirit just opened my eyes. Then she says to Jesus, we're going to read in verse 25. She says to him, she goes, but one day the Messiah is going to come. One day when he comes, I'm going to have a front row seat and he'll be able to answer all my questions. And this is the moment like God was just wakening my heart. She's going, hey, God seems distant. The people that I should be able to look to are not really giving me the best kind of picture of what it actually looks like to follow God. But one day, I wait in anticipation for when the Messiah comes, I'll be able to answer, he'll be able to answer all my questions. So you look to verse 25 in chapter four. It's just really cool. 
The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Look at verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm the Messiah. And then now, now look to uh, verse 29 or verse 28. So the woman left her water jar, the whole reason that she came to the well in the first place. Some of us, we actually need to leave our water jar, spiritually speaking. And went away into town and said to the people, look at verse 29. She says, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And then look to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Guys, I don't want us to miss this. When she meets Jesus, this is not what she does. She does not go, okay, he's the Savior of the world. He's the Messiah. All right, let me press pause and go get a degree in theology so that one day God can release me so that I can change a community. You just don't see that in text. She did not go, okay, just met the Messiah, the one I've been waiting and longing for. Let me press pause and go down to the local synagogue and one day maybe I'll just get to a limit of knowledge. Like I'll get to that level of knowledge where I know enough and then, oh, one day when I feel like I know enough, then I'll go and I'll share Jesus. That's not what we see in the text. We see someone who is, as soon as she met Jesus, there's something inside of her that knew, hey, found people, find people. And so she goes to her friends. She goes to her different spaces in different places. And you know what's so amazing to me? The text doesn't say that she, you know, found a really cool venue and stepped into that venue and began to preach this mighty word of God? What did the text say? The text said, <laughs> she said, hey, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. It was her testimony. It wasn't her knowledge. It wasn't her degree. It was her going, hey, this is where I was at and Jesus met me. He's changing my life and he can change yours too. And it changed an entire community. And so I just want to free us this morning. Hey, if you think that, man, I got to have it all together to be released by God, that's a lie. Send it to hell. The second thing is, is Jesus did not die on a cross so that those who have degrees in theology or have maximum knowledge of Bible can be the only ones that, that, that reach people. Listen to me. And I'm not saying this with arrogance. I'm saying this with the most humility. The same spirit of God that is in me is in you. God wants to use you in your different spaces and in your different places to increase the population of heaven. And I go, God, this is the resurrection life. Praise the Lord that his plan was not, hey, one man's going to have all the power. Praise the Lord. And I go, this summer, here's my question for us as a community, this summer, will we stop listening to the enemy and start stepping into the destiny that rhymed? Enemy, you know, a little freestyle for you. But stepping into the destiny that God has for you. This summer, will you share across the dinner table? This summer, will you knock on your neighbor's door and invite them over? Like, what does it mean to be released by God? And that's something here in a little bit. We're going to pray together as a church. The last thing I want to look at 
is this idea of awakening movement. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 1, verse 14. Uh, you know, I'll quote it, but you can read it on your own. John 1, 14. The other day I sat down and I felt this pressure. Like sometimes, I'm just being honest, sometimes you, you want to like, if I'm being honest, you, you want to teach and, and you want to do it in a way that presents God and honors God. And sometimes, you know, we as humans, we, we, we feel, oh, well, like, you know, we just feel like we're not going to hit it or we're not going to nail it out of the park. And, and, and in those moments, I love that the Holy Spirit is so comforting and, and so uh, loving. And so Thursday morning, I sat down and I, I really just wanted to type a lesson out, you know. And as I went to type out, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, like, you just need to go pray. And so I went into and, and closed, uh, closed the door. And then I realized like, the, like I was on my knees praying. And then I realized the shades were open. And I'm like, that's weird. So I'm like, like trying to figure out how to hide in here and pray. But as I was praying, I really felt like the Holy Spirit kept putting awakening movement on my heart. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if, if you've been a part of the ethos community for a while, you know that at the end of each Sunday, what do we say? Love God, love people, and we're going to movement, right? So I'm like, God, what does that mean? And then the Lord took me to John 1.14. And in John 1.14, uh, I'll read it just because I believe the power's in the Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Word there is Jesus. I love how the message puts it. The message says that Jesus took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. Jesus moved into the neighborhood of humanity. And as I began to pray over this verse, the Lord wrecked my heart because he said, hey, Jesus' neighborhood, Chris, has the same brokenness that existed in that actually still exists in yours. And I started thinking through Jesus' neighborhood, and I go, man, in Jesus' neighborhood, there would have been murder, there would have been deceit, there would have been corruption of power, there would have been racism, there would have been, uh, you know, different scale, rich and poor and, and different classes abusing each other. There would have been families that were broken, there would have been single moms, there would have been single dads, there would have been kids with, with no mom and no dad. And I'm like, I'm wrestling in that, and I was just wrecked. And I started going, God, like Jesus awakened a movement in his neighborhood that actually changed the entire world. And I started going, what does that look like in our ethos community? As all of those things are represented in our community. And, and I just started going, is this even realistic? And I felt like God said, oh, Jesus did it in his day. The same spirit of Christ is in you. You can do it in your day. And then I started going, okay, God. And then I felt like God was saying, hey, ethos, will you step into the release that God is doing in your life so that we can awaken a movement in our neighborhoods? Broken neighborhoods can be redeemed. And every single person who believes that in these chairs have the hope of the world and the answer to everything that's going wrong around us. And I'm going, God, would you awaken a movement in us so that when we go to our different places and our different spaces and we look to the different faces that you've called us to, would there be something so alive in here that everywhere I go, people are feeling like, oh no, God has just walked into the room because God is flowing from your life. This is what it means to step into the resurrection life. And I just want to say every single person in this room, 
if I haven't been clear, I want to make it like so known this morning that God is releasing you. You know, in the kingdom of God, it does not think like the world. The world is impressed with resumes. The world is impressed with your gifts. It's how the world works. Only the elite survive. That's the mindset. Got to advance in my social circles, even if that costs me friendships. Some would even say, even if it costs me my family. Yet the kingdom of God is so backwards. Because what God really wants is not your talents and your gifts. He just wants your heart. And if you'll give him your heart, and you'll give him your life, he'll use you to do things that you never thought were possible. If you're with humility, willing to say, God, I, I feel inadequate, I feel incapable, I feel like I don't qualify. So like in those moments, that's actually God saying, hey, now I can use you because you've had the humility to say, it's not about you, it's about me. To end, I want to think through the lens of Matthew 25. There's this moment, and honestly, it's been a tough word. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not, as I share this, I, I don't think anybody's going to sit on the edge of their seat and go, amen. Like, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Because I believe as I share this, it's the word of God, it's truth. I believe it's going to go forth and I believe it's going to sit in our hearts for a few days. But in Matthew 25, you read the text, there's this moment where Jesus looks to his followers and he paints a picture of the day of judgment. And he says, those that don't know the Lord are going to go to the left and those that do are going to go to the right. Why is it so important to find people, found people? Because this isn't about crossing our fingers going, well, I hope we're right on the other side. This is about a, a real God who died a real death on a real cross so that you and I could be with him in eternity. And I'm telling you this morning, found people, find people. Could you imagine the people in your different spaces and in your different places like just just think with me on the on the day of judgment could you imagine and i'm not saying it's going to be like this i'm just illustrating this could you imagine as he separates the left and as he separates the right could you imagine us going to the right and people we love people i had dinner with last night people people in my family like my brothers like, like real people <laughs> real people that i text throughout the week and say i love you too Real people that I go shoot hoops with. Real people that I say what's up to in the gym. Real people that I see in my coffee shops that I go to. Could you imagine them looking at us? Tears in their eyes. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you share this with me? And I just imagine in that moment, I don't think we're going to go, I just didn't think you would want to go. Guys, this... It's why we, why, we, why, why we go. This is, this is why we worship. This is why we beg and plead for God to use us. Because found people find people. If you guys want to go ahead and stand with me. Here in a second, we're going to go to the tables and we're going to take the Lord's Supper. You know, taking the Lord's Supper or communion. You know, when you take the cup, it represents the blood that was shed for us. This is what Jesus has did, not just for me, but for you.
Maybe as you take the cup this morning, like just remind yourself, like, hey, he did this for me. You take the bread, represents the body that was broken. As you take it, remind yourself, Jesus did this for me. He loves me. I also would like to encourage you guys for about five to seven minutes, maybe even a little longer, we're going to gather up in two to threes. And I want you guys to begin to conversate amongst each other and really ask each other this next season of life, this summer. What I love about the summer is people are always going and staying. Whether you're going or whether you're staying, God is releasing us all. As we have conversations amongst each other, we just confess, hey, in these different spaces and in these different places, God is sending me to these different faces. Just confess, say, hey, I need the hand of God to be over my life so that these people can come to Jesus. I just want to be you. Start to conversate with each other. Ask God, say, God, would you use this person? Pray over each other, encourage each other. And then also, here's taking it one step. If you take it a little farther, create some system of accountability. Because some of you are leaving and you're going, man, I have an awesome community here, but back home I really don't have one. And so in many ways, you're going to feel like you're the only light in a world full of darkness. And if you're that person this morning, if you're that college student this morning, just know that it is so important and valuable that you create some kind of system, some kind of accountability, so that people can walk with you and journey. Praise God. And I'm not being funny. Praise God for FaceTime. Praise God for ways to communicate today. I'm going to pray. We'll go to the tables. Go to the tables. Start to circle up. Let's have these conversations about the different places and different spaces. And just, just, just know that God is inviting all of us. You are released. Let's go awaken the movement. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We trust you. I pray this morning, God, that your spirit would just fall on us in a fresh new way. I pray, God, that even as we worship, Lord, and as we circle up, God, and we conversate, Lord, that it would, it would just be a moment of, of, just, uh, of, of just being like our souls being refreshed. To know that, that people in this room, that we all know people who need the Lord. And I pray that we would be refreshed knowing that we're not alone in that. I pray that we would be encouraged to know that we're not the only ones who think that, you know, we're unqualified and inadequate. And I just pray, Lord, that you would speak life over all of ours, Lord. And as we go to the table and as we circle up, God, I pray that your presence would be so strong among us. We love you, God, so much. Amen.